I'm Christian Humes. I'm John Paul Murphy. And you're listening to Watch World. And today, we'll be talking about Harry Potter and the Half-Blood Prince. The sixth movie. Yes, the sixth movie and the sixth book. John, initial impressions and reactions before we jump in. Um, I liked this movie. I think there's a lot to like here. Um, my biggest knock on it, though, I, f- I feel like... Yes, they're going as we get to the kind of climax of this series. This is like kind of the storm is brewing and things are getting a little bit darker and grayer. But the color palette of this movie is terrible. <laughs> I, I, yeah. I guess is my biggest critique of the movie is that like they're going for this very desaturated and very kind of um, just pale look kind of thing. And But it, I think they just overdo it. Yeah. Do you think this is partially a result of this is around the time of the Snyderverse beginning. This is Warner Brothers as well. I think so. I think it's also this is a big trend in like color correction and you know yeah. the technology of doing that and people are just overdoing it. Um, yeah, the next the next two are a bit more like this as well. Although I wouldn't say they're as dark because this one is also very like it's visually a dark film as well, not just subject wise. Yes, but I think, but that's my only like technical like knock on the movie i actually so last uh movie the order of the phoenix i kind of knocked on the like the broom flying didn't look too great yeah i thought the broom flying in this looked incredible okay cool because i was i have a, a similar critique about that but they're all positive the things that i have to say my criticisms i felt like the quidditch looked the best that it's ever going to look yeah just the way they just nailed i think not only like just the, the the camera movement but i think just the the physics of it as well it just yeah. made more sense like it felt like a real sport that people were actually playing in correct. those scenes yeah. whereas like if you go back and you go watch you know uh you know the philosopher's stone or you know chamber of secrets it's like the physics are just like wild <laughs> right <laughs> it just makes no sense yeah everything seemed a lot more weighty in this yeah so that's why i really liked that i think that's my like where so they kind of like overdid it with the color correction, but then they actually did a lot of really good stuff with the special effects. So I would say this this actually I think is my favorite book. I don't okay. think it's my favorite movie, partially because it's visually um, not as enjoyable as the others. Yeah, but... and also it's it's very like it's like the first half of a movie, right? Yeah, so that's the that's sort of where my problem here in lies with the film. It, this movie, I'd argue, either this one or the prior one, uh, Order of the Phoenix, have the most content missing from the books. Yeah, and it, but at least with the last one, it's kind of like the goal is like we need to convince the ministry that Voldemort's back. Right. And they do that to a degree. Like, yeah, and this one, of... too, has a, a pretty clear goal, but there are some just full-on threads that are dropped in this one. Uh, and I actually, those are pretty much the only notes I have. They're things that I want to bring up because they're sort of important to the story, and they, they're kind of missed out on. But we're not going to talk too much about that, but they, they are some notes that I do have in particular. I think we should just uh, jump in now, though. Yeah, let's just do it. This movie starts with the attack on Diagon Alley and also the attack on the Muggle world. Yeah, they they attacked the Millennium Bridge, right in London. Now, this was slightly different in the books, by the way. In the last film, you hear about the Muggle minister because obviously there's a prime minister. 
Yeah. Which then sort of gives you a better idea of what the Ministry of Magic is. It's like, oh, okay, this is their version of the Prime Minister. That's what Fudge was. So you, yeah. You, yeah. You, you hear about him at the beginning of this one in the book. Uh, he's involved and he talks to the new minister. He talks to uh, Scrimgower, I believe his name is. Great name. And uh, he, like, that's just completely omitted from this sequence. That's a big part of the book opening. Okay. Showing how the Muggle world's being affected and he's kind of checking in on things. Yeah. Um, it, there's a briefly we're kind of introduced to a kind of character that doesn't really talk, but uh, he's just so shocking in this. Um, the guy that kidnaps Ollivander, Greyback, like, he looks straight up out of, uh, like, a Blade vampire movie. Yes. <laughs> you know? I just thought. Well, was, so yeah. he is. There's a reason for that. You want to know why? Yes. Please, please explain. He is a werewolf. Okay. That makes sense. He actually gave. He was the one who turned Lupin into a werewolf. And part of his deal is that he would bite children. He would, like, steal and bite children. And he was turning them into werewolves. And this is where. If you remember, I hinted at this to you. I didn't want to, since you are new to the story, I didn't want to give on full reveals, although everyone here, most of us are listening as a rewatch. Um, I mentioned how the Dementors sort of had a deal struck that they didn't actually want to be prison guards. And their whole thing is, like, Voldemort doesn't have a problem with magical creatures. He has a problem with non-magical pe- beings and non-magical creatures. Yeah. So he... he partners with the dementors with the job like any kind of magical creature that he can use to give himself an advantage even the werewolves because he knows they feel oppressed so he can bring them to his side and use them yeah no that that makes sense i think that he he takes advantage of people's maybe thoughts about the muggles kind of being considered a weaker people but they seem to have more power and they control the world Right to a degree, so you know, Voldemort makes a lot of sense in the in when he says, "Why does it have to be the Muggles? Like we should be like dominating these people, and they should be our slaves." Right, you know, because we need new house elves. Uh, there are some other things that are totally omitted. For instance, you don't hear about or see Bill or Floor, Bill, Ron's older brother. Um, they have a relationship, and you hear about them. Okay. When you go to the house, uh, they're just completely omitted from the film, which the reason I'm telling you this is you will see them later in the series. And you'll be like, wait, these two are together. When did that happen? I see. That makes sense. Yeah. It, it's just a funny thing to admit. They could have easily had even like a throwaway background line about it. And it would have it would have been a good at least cue to people. So when something pops up in the future, they'd know what go- what, what's going on. Yeah. Um, so it goes through like a, a bunch of quick shots of the newspaper. Mm-hmm. People are getting kidnapped. It then transitions to it's the newspaper Harry's reading. Right. He's in, he's in a kind of a subway coffee shop. Right. And that's when they had the flashbacks to yeah. the prior film, which was like a nice little transition. This subway shop is cool. It's fun seeing Harry interact with the muggle world. He has sort of this own, like beside Hermione, he's the only other person that he knows that gets to go kind of live both lives. Yeah. And, you know, that the waitress like really comes on to him. <laughs> Yeah, good for him. He was, he was picking up that waitress. I think the the biggest disappointment is that he never gets to follow up with her. I know. He doesn't get to have that date. Because she is like clearly at, at minimum like 22, you know? Sure. So it's yeah, like, I mean, she could be in the 17. She's just tall. Like, that sort she, of ages yeah. people up. Yeah, but it, it seemed like she was much more of a, a mature woman for him. Yeah. <laughs> to a degree. But, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, I'll... I'll 
you know, I'll see you afterwards because he's like, I guess he always comes in there during the summer. Right. Um, and she kind of, so they were like flirting and then Dumbledore comes in and clock blocks him basically. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's like, Harry, we got, I got to, I got to take you somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and he apparates for the first time. Yes. Yes, he does. Which I'll bring this up now because this was omitted from the film. They actually take apparition classes in the book. Okay. In this movie. Again, kind of important that they're being taught how to apparate. <laughs> Yeah, they never really get taught. It's Dumbledore takes him. Dumble- well, yeah. So in the book, Dumbledore takes him, and that's the first time he operates. But later in the book, like there are chapters when they're in class being taught how to operate because this is what they would do during this year at school. That's completely omitted from the film. Don't you think that in the last movie, so when they had the big uh, battle and they were yeah. fighting then the Death Eaters, there's a moment when everyone kind of gets taken by Death Eaters through the apparate thing yes except for harry when they all like so they all technically apparated for the first time in that moment (laughs) um i don't know that's not entirely they sort of used their apparition to grab them and then kind of came out of it so they kind of just like lifted them and carried them as they were apparating out they didn't turn them into smoke like where harry sort of turned i thought it would be really funny if they all just like vomited like yeah that scene. No, no 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 they that wasn't that i wouldn't quite say that they operated it's a there. true app yeah yeah it wasn't a true they were thing. just they were just sort of snatched um yeah you know that whereas what he and dumbledore went through was much more significant so good for harry what a Let's surprise see. naturally talented so voldemort <laughs> i mean uh i'm sorry dumbledore takes harry to serbit uh, uh serbiton yeah he takes him to the uh, like magical privet drive i see uh this is where we meet a new professor professor horse mm-hmm. slughorn slughorn played by the amazing jim broadbent mm-hmm. i love this character john <laughs> what house would you guess slughorn is i'm gonna guess ravenclaw no professor slughorn is a slytherin oh really i guess yeah. because he's kind of evil yeah, well, he's very ambitious, and he 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 uses power and knowledge for his own gain. But he's so like a Hufflepuff wrapped, like a Slytherin wrapped in a Hufflepuff. Well, of. yeah, but I mean, if you think about it, if if the traits that make up a house could only result in four different kinds of personalities, that would be silly. The way that the different traits uh, turn up in different people is sort of what makes them interesting, right? Yeah, yeah, I just, I just, it's... It's like Peter Pettigrew feared for his life, and, like, you know, he wants to be brave and wants to be glory, like, he wants to have glory, and he wants to feel powerful and feel like he's important, and when push came to shove, he saw Voldemort as the opportunity, in a way, to do that. He was like, oh, well, if I end up just, like, turning and giving him this info, then I'll still be you know, with the powerful people, like regardless of who wins now, it's, I'll be, I'll be with Voldemort. I'll be his second hand. He'll, you know, praise me for this. Yeah. And I, I think the way I kind of read Slughorn is that, you know, they keep mentioning that he wants, he likes to collect his students. Like he, right. he put, them, put them in the photos on his right. wall. And it's like, he wants them for himself though. So think about it that way. Right. It's like he can project this level of power uh, via influence for him whereas a ravenclaw someone that was really interested in meeting interesting powerful smart wizards things like that collecting things ravenclaws would probably more catalog their experiences versus what he's doing is he's using them as like points of influence 
right? Kind of. It, I think it's it's he doesn't quite get to that point though because obviously he isn't really he's you know we, when we meet him in this movie he's at a low point really in his life. <laughs> well, mostly because he's just hiding from the Death Eaters. Yeah, but I'm I'm just saying like obviously he wasn't able to convert his his sort of currency, if you will, into more pa- I into mean, power. That's that's hard to argue that he he hasn't because if you notice he has all of these rare trinkets and potions and things that most people wouldn't be able to come across. So it's it's sort of obvious if you look at him that he's used his connections to influence his position of power. Although he doesn't use it as a statement in the way that you know someone like Dumbledore, or Voldemort or snape thinks of power he uses it as like he's he's sort of one of the more material people in the magical world yeah no he comes off to me as a and maybe this is like a trait of slytherin but he's sort of he's the guy that loves to collect and sell and and collect and sell like he's always gathering and then like moving things yeah you know like whether that is personal relationships or objects or all these you know he kind of seems like a sort of in a weird way like a lando type character yeah he is a little bit like lando calrissian which is kind of funny to imagine jim broadbent as like piloting the millennium falcon yeah that's a good point (laughs) hey there harry Uh, oh my goodness Uh, um, so then what happens next uh i just really quick in that scene there's a like i love the special effect of dumbledore putting the room back together Mm -hmm. Uh, i thought that was fun just seeing that, like, the magic there and the special effects. Of, uh, oh, I'm shocked. I was worried we were going to come in here and you were going to be like, you know, this magic thing again, they're just waving a wand, fixing everything. Well, I think I think now that you you were holding that ace for a long time and then you somehow decided to spring on me in the last, you know, last week where, like, Dumbledore can't, like, create things, but right. he can move things or transport things and... Like you can alter, but you can't necessarily create. That helps me refocus my believability and acceptance of the world. Right. <laughs> it make, it makes me help me. It, it takes away the whole like, well, they can just do anything. Like I I'm fine with this type of magic of like yeah, re, re, and, repla- repairing things easily and. It, it's again one of those moments at the beginning of the movie where magic is fun. It's like, oh, thank God, this is clearly a dark movie, but they gave us like one fun moment with I magic. Mean, it, <laughs> It kind of doesn't really make. It kind of undercuts then later when like the Weasley's house burns down, and I'm just right. like, well, they could probably fix it up again. <laughs> <laughs> to an extent, I imagine if something's completely destroyed, you know, there's yeah. probably there's 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 I'm sure a level of point of no return. There's a level of it as to what that is. I don't know, but that's also probably not worth debating when there's so many other things in this movie yes. to talk about. Anyways, uh, so after this, we get a interesting scene with uh bellatrix and a new character that we have not seen before uh narcissa correct uh, malfoy the lucius's wife and i just want to go back to my theory from last week i still think that upon bellatrix breaking out her and uh and lucius did it at some point yeah i don't <laughs> think so man i i just looked at narcissa i'm like i feel like that's a really cold relationship so fun fact and it's it's been debated as to what the level of canon is, I would argue, everyone would argue that uh, Harry Potter and the Cursed Child, the play, is not actually canonical to the books or the movies. Um, that yeah, being it doesn't said, also like destroy everything that the books worked on. Uh, I mean, it's a, it's a time travel story. They bring the time turners back and stuff. 
in the end, nothing really changes, you know? So, um, but when they screw a time, they almost do that. But one thing that is crazy is Bellatrix has a kid with Voldemort. Oh, boy. Yeah. So there goes your theory on that. So let's just throw that out now. Actually, that doesn't really do anything. I think she could definitely, <laughs> you know, she seems like the type of girl that messes around. Yeah, that's for that. sure. That being said, Snape enters into the unbreakable bond. Yes. Um, and he does this because? Because Draco Malfoy has been tasked with killing Albus Dumbledore. And Snape's like, I will do this. Right. Well, he well, says will he will you. guarantee that the job is finished because Voldemort's basically... He, Voldemort doesn't believe in the Malfoys. He thinks... He expects them to fail, and so... Well, does he also not believe in Snape, too, because isn't Snape a double agent? Right. So this is clearly a test to see who's actually on whose side. And so Snape is forced into the position of either being the one to kill Dumbledore or making sure that Draco does. If he fails, Snape will die. Yes. Um, and I thought it wasn't as nice that he fails, but if, if harm comes to Draco, then he dies. Um, uh, that's what I, I kind mean, of felt like the way that the, the, when he was saying the words. Yeah, to but it. Harry wrecks him later. So clearly that's not the case. <laughs> yeah, that was, that was a, that was a crazy scene. Fucking awesome. <laughs> and one of my, again, one of the reasons one of my favorite books, I really like just the, the dark spells we get to see in this movie. Uh, the magic takes a very more adult turn and also fantastical turn in this film. Much more Lord of the Rings in yeah. this movie. So, cool. uh, then, Harry, Ginny. Yeah, uh, Harry, Ginny scene. Uh, everyone's like, oh, Harry's back. Yeah. And then, uh, which is cute, like that they sort of. This is where like Ron's really looking built. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Damn. The Harry and Ginny storyline is very minimal in the movie, by the way. This is another thing. It is much more prominent in the book. Yes. I, never, I got the sense of that. Yeah, and they never officially call each other like boyfriend and girlfriend necessarily in the book. But like at the end when in the book he sort of parts ways with Ginny. He's like, You're she's she has to go to school the next year, she can't come with us. This is too dangerous, sort of a thing. So it's sort of like they break up, but it's almost like they're totally together by the end of the book. And that is really not prominent in that film at all. They, Ginny is a character that they should have made much bigger. But again, it's like this is this is why so many people think it would be wonderful if they ever do a reboot to do it as a, you know, HBO style series, like an eight episode season for each yeah, year. Yeah. And also, I think that they maybe for me, it's. You know, this this actress that plays Ginny, she was cast in the second movie when she was like a little kid. She was cast in the first movie. Oh, she was? She's in the first movie? Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, she's she's at uh, the platform nine and three quarters. And this is probably where they probably could have just recasted her, like in the oh. last movie. She does fine. I think the problem is she they had so little screen time prior. Now they're supposed to have this connection that they don't. Um, yeah, I just don't. I just think that the actress is she's fine it's just like you probably could have gotten a little bit more out like more depth out of maybe a different actress i don't know that's possible i i think i put it more into the hands of the director and the writing uh in my opinion just because Ginny is a little bit as much as she cares about harry she's a little bit of uh like a tomboy she's kind of like a tough girl yeah i mean Um, she's on the, the quidditch team so right which is why it's sort of like a big deal when like Harry comes in bleeding, she's like upset about it because 
it's like rare that she says those kinds of things because she's sort of tough which is yeah. you know when you when you see that scene later where her like and harry run out after the death eaters like her and harry go do that she is she is sort of a really badass gryffindor and she's fucking awesome at quidditch um so she's meant to be actually a really skilled wizard who's also very tough and like brave yeah uh which is really cool she's and a lot more like harry potter than she is like ron yeah i get that i i I just think maybe in the moments in between those things, like the actual like back and forth between her and uh, yeah. Daniel Radcliffe. I there's mean, more. There's more to be desired. Yeah. Um, um but I, quick question: What happened to Cho? Uh, eh. They had so <laughs> in the last in the last book, they yeah. have like a bad date, and then that's kind of done. Okay. So it doesn't show like... up really in the movie as much, but it's it's in the book. So he kissed it and quit it. Yep. Just did a little bit of snogging, and then there. Yeah, a little snog. Uh, I don't know if we really need to go over what happened in... There's just the joke um, shop stuff. Yeah, other, although the Weasleys, they are doing great. I feel like they're going to get busted for tax evasion someday. No, they're not going to get busted for tax evasion. <laughs> so yeah, so Fred and George's Weasley's new joke shop. Good for them. Yeah, good for them. I think, you know, they got their GED. <laughs> right. <laughs> they got to make it work. I feel like, but I yeah. feel like they're like going to slowly like get into the scam business somehow <laughs> or just like shady business practices or are, are no way future. they're two fun loving guys that want to make toys they were they just upsold their brother <laughs> well that's you don't have an older brother john that's true that's true so you've never been victim to if i had older brothers they would absolutely upsell me <laughs> i i would say that the, the, these two actors the twins like they've gotten better with each movie yeah, they're great. I really enjoy them. And it's kind of funny how much they've... They didn't really do this as much in the first movies so much, but now they're so much more like they finish each other's sentences. I, yeah, I guess they did a it, little bit in the beginning, but like it wasn't... like I think now they really nailed it. It's fun to see how close they are. And it's also interesting now that, you know, at the beginning of it, it's like, oh, another Weasley. All of the Weasleys now couldn't be more different, right? Yes. You've got the little rat Percy who is working for the ministry... You've got the two fun-loving toy makers. You've got Ron, who's like Ron's kind of like built now, and he's like just sort of like a fun-loving, like kind of jockey guy. He's not as much as he likes the nerdy shit his brothers make. He is not the kind of person to make that stuff. He seems like he's turning out to be like the the pretty boy type of like jock yes. kind of character. Like he's the one that's going to get yes. all the ladies. Yeah, I mean, his oldest brother is you know working with dragons and shit, so it's all pretty cool. Yes. I think, yeah, uh, there's a lot to offer with the Weasleys. So after this, they run into Draco. They follow Draco. They don't know quite what's going on, but they do know something's up. Yes, they see, um, they go into, was it Nocturne Alley? They, they follow yep. them there and they see them doing this weird ritual around this like closet thing. <laughs> uh, black, this black little cabinet. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then, but that's when Greyback almost sees them and then they got to hide and... They don't get to right. see what happens. Um, then we get on the train to Hogwarts. Yeah, which, by the way, this is the last time they ever go on the train because we know when this movie ends, Harry says he's not returning next year. Yeah, which I thought, you know, I liked. The, this is probably one of the better looking train sequences. Yeah. I think I liked it. Uh, I'm trying to think. I mean, there's a couple of fun things that happen, but the main, the main crux of it is Harry doesn't 
have a joyous ride with Ron and Hermione. He's already thinking like, okay, what's going to happen this year? How do we get ahead of it? And he's already, he is keyed in very quickly on the fact that Draco is no good. No one's really listening to him 100% about it. And so he takes it into his own hands, goes invisible, and uh, hunts him down. Yeah, he gets some uh, smoke powder thing from the, the joke shop. And then um, he uses invisibility cloak, invisibility cloak to climb up and like, hide in the, the luggage mm-hmm. <laughs> section. Um, then, but then Draco kind of is keen on this. And when the, the train stops, he puts uh, he basically petrifies Harry. And then yeah. like basically like like foot stomps him. <laughs> yeah, he breaks his nose. Yeah. I, like it was like i'm like whoa that's like super violent right um and harry is left to basically he could have died actually if he go, he goes he says like enjoy your trip back to london yeah just no one's gonna see him because he kept the visibility cloak on him um well thankfully the best ravenclaw in all of hogwarts comes to the rescue she was looking for her some weird things i was gonna do, make him mad or whatever some, yeah some bug things yeah and her glasses work because she can see them floating o- over Harry. Yeah. If I were Draco and I picked up that, like, no one else, like, these invisibility cloaks, that thing is sick. Yeah. If I were Draco, I would have taken that. Yeah. Right? I would definitely have taken that. I think he- And then also- It was more valuable, I think, to keep it on Harry so that no one would see him. Oh, that's true. But I, I appreciate that he, Harry, then, like, it gets thrown off of him. Yeah. By Luna, it's like, you're going to spend like 20 minutes now looking for that thing in the room. <laughs> like, who knows where that is? That's true. That's what you didn't see. That's why it took, them, took them so long to walk walk to the, because uh, they, they missed the carriage, so they had to walk all the way. Yeah. It was so silly. It's like, great. Then she fixes his nose, and they see Draco getting helped by Snape. Snape, you know, gets that box in, which we know he has to do. This The really interesting, valuable piece of information here is we watch the gates close and you see the sort of field go up. So you can tell like Dumbledore has upped the security. Yeah, they have these things called auras. Auras are the like the from the ministry. Yeah. Um, Because then Harry's asked later uh, that he wanted to be an aura. Right. By I forget who asked them. But um, then he's like, no, I thought about it. He's like, no, I don't really want to. Well, so the thing is, you can't apparate in and out of Hogwarts. As long as Dumbledore's alive, he has this sort of field of protection up that he made that's protecting Hogwarts, which is why later you see the Death Eaters try to apparate in and it doesn't work. One of the changes that's made in the film, which is so silly, is Dumbledore and Harry later, they just apparate up to... Oh, yeah, is that line that he says? Yeah, well, when they apparate back to Hogwarts, that's not what happened in the books. In the books, actually... They operated back to, um, gosh, that little town, and they end up flying back, which is why they end up up top on the tower, because they flew back. Yeah. I see. So that's just another change. Um, the line which is, is, being me has its privileges. Right. Yeah, because he can go in and out, but they end up uh, going nearby instead, originally in the books, and that's a change. So, okay, Hogwarts opens up a very somber opening, and he introduces the new teacher, and then he introduces, dun da da Severus Snape will be the defense of the dark arts teacher. Finally. <laughs> After all this time, and and, it, and it's only here where everything goes to shit. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Like, well, yeah. you know, if, if Snape's finally going to be the teacher, something's going to happen. If only he gave it to him earlier in the first movie. Yeah. 
you know yeah wouldn't be here um actually right bef- before this back at the joke shop we are introduced to two characters uh mr me too mccormick or cormick um who's going to get kicked out of hogwarts someday for sexual harassment and mm. then uh lavender brown the yes. girl that has an obsession with ron who was recasted she was recasted yes was she in the previous movies yes okay that's why i didn't recognize her yeah no lavender brown actually is one of those reoccurring characters um in the series so and she's not in gryffindor house is she uh yes she is okay because she's there when they're celebrating after the quidditch match but then later when they break up like she's sitting at that another table as if she's not in the house you know yeah maybe they were just doing that for like cinematography purposes it would you know as opposed to being like further at the end of the table you know yeah so here's here's a bit of info for you john so you may remember from harry potter and the prisoner of azkaban john that sam and emily were very upset and they about uh people of color in the film yes which we've brought up not enough representation lavender brown is a person of color and she originally was in her original casting and then once like she became a more prominent character in the books and then used in the film she was recasted to be this white girl i mean this girl this girl does a really good job of like selling the like yeah no she does a great job like she does a great job they just fucked up you know yes that's what i'm saying and it's important to note uh that being said um I really enjoy how Dumbledore doesn't call him Lord Voldemort. He calls him Tom Riddle during his speech. Yes, because he wants to, I think he, he's basically saying, guess what? Hitler went here, you know? <laughs> right, right. And I like also, it's it was very fun and interesting to, to watch this scene play out with everyone. You know, everyone looks older. To see everyone really now, it's like these kids, they don't feel like kids anymore. And it's like, oh, these are basically the seniors and the juniors of the school now. Yes, and like it's interesting to see now, and I'll we'll talk about it later. But just if if you were a a first year student now, how how much different the experience for these first year students is for, versus like Harry's first year experience, right? <laughs> just by comparing the movies and the the world they're selling, right? It's interesting. Uh, okay, so basically after this, they have an off period because you know now they're adults. Uh, they don't necessarily have to have a class. McGonagall's like, this is, you guys don't need to be, uh, we don't need you finding more excuses to go get into trouble. Like, go to class. Yeah. And you find out they didn't get the highest grade possible on their owls, which Snape used to require for the advanced potions cl- courses. But Professor Slughorn does not require that. He Slughorn's like, you don't need a A plus. He's like, I'll get you in with a B plus or an A. Like, I'll still take you. Yeah. So, so they, they, they go, go to Slughorn's to class. And and then this is this is where they get the book. Yeah, so there's two books left in the cabinet. One new book and mm-hmm. one old book. So they mm-hmm. fight over the new book. Ron wins it, and Harry gets the old one. But then Harry realizes that the book is full of useful notes. Yeah. It was fun watching them fight over yeah. it. <laughs> uh, it was great. And I, I liked this, this whole class scene um, and just watching like Hermione lose her goddamn mind. Yeah, and again, this is one of those, I really like the way she tells these stories where anytime she introduces something new, if you remember to keep it in the back of your mind, you can kind of figure out what's going on in the stories before it's totally revealed to you. And I like that she gives you that info and allows you to put it together. But generally speaking, I think what happens all the time is when you're engaging with the story, you're not stopping and thinking about all the details. Yeah. 
but you remember them enough so that when it comes back up, you're like, oh, shit, it was so obvious. It was there the whole time. Um, you know, you're more just like, why is this girl so obsessed with Ron? You're not thinking like, what did I learn in this movie? Yeah, I think I, it's, you know, in the previous movie, they basically since Goblet of Fire, this is when they start really teasing that Hermione does have like some feelings for Ron. Yes. You know, starting with the ball and like not being like invited yeah. and all that stuff. And then kind of their back. I mean, forth. she spends a lot of t- like she always goes there early in the summer before the summer's up to before his school place, starts. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so I think it's all there, and like, this is one where they kind of really start, I think, focusing on it, and like I think, which makes sense because as soon as like Ron is kind of really coming to his own, and other eyes are being like looked upon him, you know, it makes right. sense for her to be more, you know, I have to now be more vocal and more, you know, about how I feel. What I what I love about the potions class is obviously it, there's a little test like who's going to win, who's going to do the best potions you'd be like, well, Hermione's going to dominate this sort of a thing. Like, Harry and Ron don't have a chance, but Harry has that book. So, of course, now he wins. He gets it. And he gets this really cool thing called Felix Felicius, which is which is liquid luck. Or the new time turner. Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. it's the Yeah, it's basically, like, if you actually think about the way the kind of the last, you know, section of the, the, the movie kind of unfolds, it is very much like Prisoner of Azkaban. And that, like, sure. the way it's used, it's kind of like these events just start happening. In- well, it's only used for one moment. Yeah, but that that whole sequence between when he takes it and then up until you know, I think he goes off with Dumbledore. It's kind, it does really much feel like because remember he's like, I gotta go to Hagrid. Very much the same thing with the Time Turner. They go to you know, it right. takes place kind of a, centers around Hagrid. So. <laughs> sure, yeah. That's yeah, a, that's I mean, I... it's more just about like a lot of moving pieces. But I, what did you think about the Felix Felicius? Because I think it's such a fun, cool idea. Yeah. And it's a new like, I like that it's rare. It's like, this is insanely rare to get. I like, I, I do like it as a potion. And I like how both it's used and also both how it they do the psych out use with it. Yes. So, yes. So I think it's used, uh, the used the very well in great. this movie. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So... After this scene, is this when we go to... This is all the Quidditch the stuff, then. Quidditch? Yeah. yeah, so we talked about it. I mean, the Quidditch looks better than ever. We see Ginny's playing Quidditch. Ginny is a beast. Yeah, she's the one that's basically like, no one's listening in the beginning. She's like, everyone shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, there's a character called Katie Bell who's barely mentioned in the movie, but she's a bigger character in the books. Also, the Quidditch stuff is a lot bigger in the books. Yeah. Especially uh, in this one and prior um uh there's a she was sorry the she was the chaser um and uh it sort of like hurts the team because she gets sort of knocked out and um so the interesting thing about her is she's actually supposed to be a year ahead of them but in the movie they portray her as like a younger character i see so like they just took a name and used it instead of doing what actually happened in the book um and also Ginny is like way they talk about Jim, Ginny just like wrecking fools in uh Quidditch in the book. I see. She's a built. Yeah. She's a built broad. Yeah, she's a brick house <laughs> in that on that court. Uh there's the new guy, Dean Thomas. Is that okay? Dean is not the same guy that was in uh like the Gryffindor house that's like always hanging out with Seamus. That's a different this is a different guy. No, no, no. There's different and guy. It's also not and then they also like there's like three guys that all look the same. To me, there's Blaze, Dean, and that guy. <laughs> Cormac. Cormac McLagan. No, but there's Blaze, which is like uh, Malfoy's guy in Slytherin in the beginning. Yeah. You know, when they're talking across the, the in the train. 
There's a couple of guys, like a couple of yeah. actors that all kind of look the same. <laughs> I was a little confused about who's who. But okay, so Dean's introduced. Right. Um, basically, it just comes down to Dean or Ron is going to get the role as the keeper. No, it was, it was which Cormac. Which is cool seeing Ron, Ron playing. Oh, what? It was Cormac? Sorry. Yes. Dean's the one later snogging with Ginny. Right, 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 right. So, but yeah, uh, Cormac versus Ron, who's going to get it? Hermione cheats and makes Cormac fuck up so that Ron gets the position. Right. Which, I don't know if she actually uses her wand in that scene, but um, she does say the spell. Here's an interesting thing. This is also cut from the books. The six-year students this year are being taught how to use spells without having to say them. I see. So they're practicing, basically getting, they're basically turning into, you know, adult wizards, where we see wizards just apparating, just doing magic. Like, they don't actually have to say the things, like when Voldemort's doing it. They don't necessarily have to have their wands at all times, depending on what, you know, the spell is. The wands really just help you direct the magic in many ways. They help you focus it. It makes it more powerful. Yeah, I mean, they well, they, you know, ever since the first movie, and even in this one, when uh, we see the memory of Dumbledore going to see Tom Riddle, it's like, these people, like, all these people can control magic to some degree without Correct. a wand. It's just, yeah, like you said, it helps, the wand helps you direct it in, in a very focused way. Yeah, and I mean, your wand can make it more powerful. It can amplify your magic. It just depends on your wand, your level of magic, your skills, many other things. But this is really where, again, it, it's fun to me that these parts are in the book because so often in the movies we see the other wizards come in and you realize how outclassed Harry usually is. Yeah. <laughs> but now they're being taught the same thing. So the idea that Harry and Ron and Hermione can be on the same level as these guys also allows the engagements and the fights that they get into be a lot more interesting in the future so kind of just a, a fun thing to note which unfortunately was cut but again i don't even know where the hell they would have put that in the movie so you know hard to say so um, is before the okay so then is this when it kind of starts snowing kind of gets closer to winter and they go to hogsmeade yeah this is uh because dumbledore asked harry to basically like Start sucking up to Slughorn because I mean, we need to figure yeah, out and this is, why. Yeah, Lavender starts uh, sending, like, getting Ron hooked with the potions. They and they go to Hogsmeade because this is around the same time that happens. Um, and in the books, also, this is where Harry and Ginny's relationship starts to bud, but it's not really in the in the movie at this point. Yes, um, I think that just one thing here though, um, because Harry really starts trying to put the the grease is on slughorn with like the at the tavern there um i the part where it's like basically it seems like slughorn's had a few drinks already and he like comes over and starts talking to the kids and he invites um hermione and harry to his like christmas dinner but right. doesn't invite ron and then right. he like i think Ginny's there Ginny's in the corner snogging yeah, with and Dean. hermione's there and yeah no because they're all sitting at the table together and that's when Slugger right. comes over and Harry's like trying to like, you know, impress him and like say hello and, you know. Um, but then he spills his drink and then he like, who's like, oh, all hands on deck, Hermione. Because <laughs> he basically like spills it on her. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah, I, I'm surprised you haven't made the joke yet. Because when I read this, when I listened to it as an audiobook and when I first saw the movies, all three times that I've experienced this, I've always felt like guy's a little creepy, and I'd be a little worried about him wanting to be around children in the way that he is, inviting them to like these private parties. I could see that. I think they did a good job with casting Broadbent as Slughorn, and I just don't get that sense from him. Yeah, 
Okay. Like, I think maybe if I, just, I, re- I've always, I can see that with you, you know, worried. reading that and getting that, that thing coming across. But I think the way they've handled with the casting and just like hit, hit the way he portrays that character, he's kind of just like a bumbling, like old man sometimes. And I never get the sense yeah. of like he's predatory or like. <laughs> yeah. It's just, uh, you know. That's why, like, going back to the beginning, we were talking about, like, he's Slytherin and he has some level of ambition, but he kind of, like, he doesn't really come across as, you know, like a, a mouth. Well, because just because you're Slytherin doesn't mean you're bad. Correct. That's what I'm saying. Correct. Like, he's, he seems like a, a much nicer Slytherin. Correct. Um, so, um, but they go back to Ron's place for Christmas. Uh, but before and... that, but, uh, there's the whole cursed necklace thing, which that was creepy as fuck. Because they're coming back from Hogsmeade, and then Katie, whatever, Belle, gets possessed, and she does the whole, like, it turns into a horror movie, <laughs> which that was, I was like, what the fuck? So that's when Katie Bell is knocked out. Yes. And that when that happens in the books, it's like, oh, no, what's going to happen to our Quidditch team? Correct, yeah, because this happens between the tryouts and the match. They, they play against Slytherin. Yeah. And so Harry correctly tells them, by the way, this is fucking you-know-who. Yeah. Draco Malfoy. Yeah, he's trying to kill. Because it... Right. Basically, someone put a hex on her to deliver this necklace to Dumbledore. Right. And it's going to kill him. Uh, but it didn't work. And then... Because um, then we get the Quidditch match right here, mm-hmm. too. And then after this, and Ron is, like, super nervous about it. And this mm-hmm. is where Harry tricks him into thinking he gave him the liquid luck. And he just, like, balls out on the Quidditch match. <laughs> he just, like, is... Like, I, there was some really cool stuff in that Quidditch match, too. Like, the two, like, Slytherin, like, teammates, like, trying to block it, but then just, like, ran, run right into the ring. <laughs> and they just yeah. slide right off of it. Like, just, like, it felt just more, the physics just felt way better. This, uh, the celebration after this was <laughs> yes. very reminiscent to me of after Harry won the first round in Goblet of Fire. Yes. Okay. I, I just want to bring something up a little bit about this. So imagine like compare this to like the first movie in which like was it percy that kind of ran the the gryffindor house he he was the prefect yeah and like how like boring it seemed you know yes for everybody and then compare it to this like what do like the first year students think of like the fuck is going on (laughs) like yeah (laughs) i also though wonder if part of that is when you're like a lot younger than the older kids, you don't like hang out with them, so you don't see that stuff as much either. But they're in like the main like meeting area, like. <laughs> yeah, but they just might not be hanging out with those people. I it's true. It's you know a, what I mean? It just feels a lot like more like we're at like a high school party right now, and yeah, there's some there's definitely some beer being passed around. Well, there's some butter beer. With the, isn't butter beer not an alcoholic though? Yeah, but it does make you feel loopy. Okay. Yeah, and this is where uh, lavender makes her move. And they well, Lavender's already made her move. But this is where she they... does, like, the, the full, like, I'm going to start making yeah. out in front of the, fr- the crowd. Oh, yeah. They're snogging all over each other. Oh, yeah. And, and and not only them, but, like, everyone's going off to snog. Oh, yeah. Because then later, like, Hermione gets all gets upset when she sees that and, like, runs off to cry. Harry sees her and she, and they're kind of hanging out in this room. And then Ron and Lavender run by and Lavender's like, or I don't know which one says it, but it's like, oh, it looks like this room's taken. <laughs> Like, as if there's, like, yeah. multiple rooms being taken. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Everyone's just going off to snog. Yeah, you got to have that Marauder's map so you can go find an empty room. That's true. Or use the... Got to go go find the rumor requirement for this. Or the invisibility cloak. Yeah. 
Yeah, had they looked around in the room of requirement, they would have found Draco's box and maybe solved everything. So is that that's is that the same room from the last movie? Yeah, the room can appear in different ways. So what Draco needed when he needed help was he needed to hide something and he needed to be able to hide. So it brought him to a room with lots of things in it, a place to hide things. I see. That's why. Okay. Uh, now, here's a fun fact for you. Something cut from the book, which is quite important in my opinion, but after Harry does the Sectumsempra, he runs away and he goes to hide the Half-Blood Prince book and he goes to hide himself as well. And he goes to the room of requirement, the same one that has the cabinet in it, because he's he's also looking to hide something. I see. And he's looking to hide out. And he hides the book and puts a tiara over it so he can find it. So because there's just like all those. They kind of do that. Like though, magical items in, in there. The movie here. Like he he does go to the room of requirement to 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 hide the book. Him and Ginny. Right. There. But it wasn't done the same. I know. It it's not done, done the same way. They just. Yeah. Uh, like, yeah. I get it. It's. It's more directly connected to that scene, right? Um, okay, so. so now now we get to you mentioned we get to Christmas at the Weasleys. Yeah. So, did they show him talking to the whole order? I can't remember. Or is no, it he just talks just to Arthur? Tonks and uh, Arthur and uh, Lupin. Okay, so I mean that's basically the order. Sirius is dead, and and uh, Tonks gets a brand new haircut. She's looking so Pat Benatar in this. Yeah, Tonks is cool. Tonks cool AF, John. And I didn't realize they're together. Her and Lupin. Uh, they are now, yeah. Because later she's like, he just went through his like cycle, <laughs> you know. Yeah, he turned into a werewolf. <laughs> you know, it's time off of the month for him. Yeah, he 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 just came off of it, and he, right. she was like, oh, it's like the first few days are the worst, whatever. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah. So he tells him about what he's. Uh, Harry tells Lupin about the what Draco's been doing. Um, Arthur tells. Harry privately because he doesn't want Tonks or Lupin to know, but tells him about the vanishing cabinet, otherwise known as Trump's uh, cabinet. <laughs> Political mm-hmm. joke. Um, but yeah. Uh, so yeah, he learns about the vanishing cabinet that was used to, I guess Death Eaters would use that to like disappear for a little bit. It was sad to see Arthur Weasley so sort of beaten down by everything. Yeah, I guess it's it's been tough at the uh, the ministry. Well, at the ministry, they, uh, I mean, he was almost killed in the last story. He was literally beaten down. His kids are in danger. Uh, their friend Sirius died. Yeah. He, but he, he kind of has a little, like, he's, he's down, but he still, like, has an upbeat Weasley personality. And he was smart enough to tell Harry the truth and to tell Harry this info when no one else wanted to reveal this info. Because, yeah, the, at this point, just tell Harry, Harry things. Like, I don't yeah. know why people are still just. Yeah, totally agree. Yeah. Partially because I think they see how sort of bullheaded is he is, and he'll just rush into things when maybe it's not the right time to do something yet. That's true. You but know, in the way the that he fucking him. just goes and attacks Draco. <laughs> yes. <laughs> now imagine like Draco had died in that scene. The outcome of the story would have been very different because then Snape would have died, I would imagine. Yeah, but wouldn't... So I guess with the, the vanishing cabinet is a good time to just talk about it. Does he, so he needs to be there to open it? Yeah. Okay. That's uh, that was kind of I guess maybe I wasn't really sure because I guess they imply with the bird a little bit with the second bird. First bird dies. Second bird, it kind of like he has to wait till he, Harry has to open the cabinet for it to escape. Right. So, um, so that's why he needs to be there for it. I I believe he does. I believe that's the case. And even if not, 
um, he only does it when it's the right time to do it, you know? Yeah. I mean, imagine if the Death Eaters showed up in the castle and Dumbledore wasn't at a point in which he was vulnerable. Uh, you know, they'd have to deal with McGonagall. They'd have to deal with everyone in the school. Like, those so Death Eaters would be so outnumbered. So were Dumbledore to go after the first? Or well, okay, so, so this is when they, in the books, when they're returning, they go to Hogsmeade first, which is what I told you. And yeah. Draco's using, he he's bewitched the innkeep there and she makes them return. So he knows they're coming back. I see. So it's like, and I believe Dumbledore is basically aware of what's happening in, at this point um, and knows sort of what he's flying into. So he knew where Dumbledore would be and alone so that he could pull it off because obviously Draco's not going to try and do this at any other time when he knows that he can get Dumbledore alone. It would be foolish too, otherwise. I see. Um, Okay, so then Bellatrix and Greyback show up um, and then the movie turns into a cornfield horror movie. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) From The Lost World. Yeah, they, they fucking just light up the Weasley house. And this is where, again, Brickhouse, Ginny Weasley, the badass. Like, seriously, like, probably cooler than Harry in, in some ways if you think about uh, how tough she is. She's a year younger. She just rolls out into that field. Uh, her and Harry take off fighting these people. Um, also, shouldn't shouldn't Harry realize that, like, when Bellatrix is running away going, I killed your black. Like, that's a trap. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but just, that's, I mean, this is, this is, like the reason that they don't tell Harry everything because he will just run off after people. Yeah. He's not using his head, right? It's too much heart, not enough head from Harry here. And they get into a big fight. Everyone shows up, you know, a lot of house magic back and forth. And then that's it. Like no one gets killed or hurt or anything here. The house is burning and we're left to assume, obviously they're going to fix the house however much they can. So in the the scheme of things, from the Death Eaters' perspective, what was the point of this? Just moment? an act of terror. Okay. Just to fuck with them? Yeah. Okay. An act of terror is what I would assume. Maybe kill some of the other people if they had the opportunity, but mostly just an act of terror. Because, I mean, you, you hear later, like, Lord Voldemort is the one that gets to kill Harry. No one else. Yeah. I assume they'll, maybe they were there to abduct uh, Arthur or something. Yeah. It seems like they're there to attack and drive terror to their hearts, you know? Yeah. Just to fuck with them. Let them know that they're not safe. Yes. So then after that, back at Hogwarts, uh, Dumbledore uh, reveals to Harry about the the whole memory thing, um, where we get to watch a couple of uh, scenes in the past with Tom Riddle being creepy as fuck. <laughs> yeah, I don't understand why. Obviously, this is, you know, I think obviously Dumbledore's biggest mistake in his life to accept Tom Riddle into Hogwarts. Like, knowing that he was a disturbed child (laughs) and why would you let him learn magic (laughs) well like if he's i know he's gonna be super powerful but like sometimes you gotta make a judgment call no it's not about necessarily making him super powerful it's about also you don't want this rogue human you don't want a rogue person walking around the muggle world that doesn't understand what they are like you're left to assume at this point that this kid is learning his abilities on his own um, which could make them a lot more dangerous in many ways because he doesn't have a wand. He doesn't know how to focus his energy or his magic. He's just unleashing Well, it. then you, you shadow him with someone from the ministry, and if he does something, then you put him in Azkaban. Like, but he doesn't even know what magic is. Like, So you can't Well, then fuck not. him. He knows what it is. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, it's better than like putting him into school and teaching him how to focus and harness and giving him the tools to like 
make it worse. Yeah, I mean, consider it, John. The fact of the matter is, this is what I say about just like if you're cast into Slytherin, we just shouldn't teach you. You should be sent home. Correct. I, I think that's, but particularly with like if they're an ex- an extreme case, like there should have some part of the acceptance to Hogwarts should be you have to see a psychiatrist, you know, sure. and like they need to clear you. <laughs> sure. Um, I think it's fine to be ambitious, but like if you're a sociopath and you know you have all these red flags, I think they should be able to say like, "Sorry, yeah, I don't know." At sorry. the same time, like he is, you have to admit, like it's a kid; they haven't done anything wrong yet. Like you at least have to give them a chance. Sh- sure, that's what I'm saying. Like he took a chance, he ignored all the red flags, and he's paying for it. <laughs> oh, I think Dumbledore's aware of that. Yes, that's what, that's what I'm saying. It's- He's, um okay. yeah um and, i mean look if you think dumbledore's been reckless in the last six movies consider how much more reckless he was when he was younger <laughs> yeah no i'm yeah <laughs> he's a reckless dude um yeah, i mean he's consi- considered the most powerful wizard there is you know yes as, as evil and powerful as voldemort is and we find out now why he's so impossible to kill the fact of the matter remains that dumbledore has been considered the most powerful like one-to-one wizard Yes. With maybe Voldemort matching him. So So Dumbledore basically tells Harry that Slughorn possesses a memory that uh, he's altered uh, and needs to find out the truth about what Voldemort asked him. Yeah, that memory scene is great. Just like the scene where Dumbledore meets um, young Tom Riddle is pretty great. There are more memories shown in the book uh, just about, you know, throughout Tom Riddle's time. Uh, but they cut them obviously for the movie and they left the ones that were the most important. So that's, you know, that's totally fine. And Harry fails pretty badly the first time he tries to find out. Yeah. He, he kind of goes in bluntly and Slughorn's like, like Dumbledore basically put you up to this. You know? Right. It's don't ask me again. Um, right. Then, then finds Ron who's been drugged with a love potion because there's a character that there was a great scene earlier. Cause you quote, you sent me the quote. Um, where Hermione and Harry are talking and there's a girl obsessed with Harry and she's going to basically pose, poison him with a love potion. And Hermione's like, she only likes you because you're the chosen one. He's like, well, I am the chosen one. <laughs> or she thinks you're the chosen one. Yeah. And, like, and Hermione like hits him. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, you asshole. <laughs> I love that line. Hey, whatever. He's accepting it. He's leaning into it. You know what? He's had to put up with a lot of that chosen one bullshit. So at this point, he may as well get something out of it. Right. Yeah. Oh, uh, we obviously we can just briefly talk about it. But the um, the Christmas party. Oh yeah. Uh, Hermione goes with Cormac, who gets all handsy with her, and uh, she she eats some Dragon Balls. He eats some Dragon Balls. He vomits on they Snape's make, shoes. They make a wish. Draco tries to sneak in, I guess, or gets caught trying to sneak in by Filch. Yeah. Um, yeah. Draco just wants like this is where Draco's clearly doing something he doesn't want to do. Yes. And it's like suddenly Draco kind of, I think, wishes he wasn't Draco. Yeah. So that basically that there's a couple scenes there with the Christmas party. And then, like we said, the one girl is trying to get Harry to seduce Harry. <laughs> and that's oh, when... one thing that happens actually during the Christmas time too, or right around here. It was like right before the party in the book. Scrimgower, which is the new minister. So keep in mind, Fudge is no longer the minister. And uh, he's not like a bad guy. Fudge is melted. Yeah, but he's not like a bad guy or anything, but he's also, you know, just trying to keep order. He's also not hiding the fact that Voldemort's back. He's very much like 
fuck, people are disappearing. Like, we got to do what we can. He tries. He comes with Percy, by the way. Percy's got his tail between his legs. And they're, like, um, trying to recruit Harry. Please come, like, be our sort of spokesperson. Be our be the face of the ministry. Because they need someone to try to, like, inspire people. Because everyone feels terrified. And Harry's, like, not interested. Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. It's like, Fuck you guys, even though he wasn't the minister at the time. Yeah. Um, it's just an interesting bit for you to be aware of because Scrimgaro will show up. You'll you'll hear about him in the next movie. So the fact that like you don't at all in this, I thought was kind of silly. Yeah, makes sense. Um, so. so then, okay, so then Harry finds Ron in his room. He's eaten the, the, these candies that came from this woman, this other student. Yep. He's now been basically drugged into loving her. <laughs> Uh, Harry brings him to Slughorn for a cure. Uh, Slughorn then gives him this potion, takes Ron out of, uh, his little slumber, basically his love slumber. And then like any great teacher, he offers his kids alcohol. (laughs) And so he finds the bottle of mead that he got at the Christmas party. Ron drinks it first and immediately is poisoned. And that's Mm -hmm. when Harry is forced to save him. He uses basically, I, forget, I don't know what he, forget he, what he uses, but he uses some quick thinking to save Ron. So Rose Murta at Hogsmeade, she was the, she's at Hogsmeade. She's the one that also later is bewitched by Draco. Um, Draco. Yeah. And she tells, she tells Dumbledore and Harry to go back and like to use the brooms and uh, there, which is cut from the movie. She is bewitched by Malfoy. She's the one that like, she gives them the necklace and then she gives slughorn the mead i see so like it was poisoned and then rose murder handed off the mead which was meant to reach dumbledore uh because that was the best way for him to do it was to go through someone that it's like would clearly be not a problem yeah no someone that, that could you know accept the gift without thinking twice right yeah like why would this so. why would this student be offering me mead <laughs> yeah <laughs> um then in the infirmary uh Hermione well, he shoved a. By the way, he gave him a a bezoar. Okay, yeah, that's what it was. Which it's an antidote for like most poisons. I see. It's made from. Uh, it's made in a goat's stomach. Ooh, nice. Yeah. Um, so yeah, in the uh, infirmary, Hermione's kind of waiting aside. Everyone's kind of waiting around. Lavender comes in, and Ron starts talking in his sleep, or whatever, and basically says like saying Hermione's name over and over again. And yeah, which in the book. Again, sorry, this is, I, I keep bringing this up, but this is, I was so excited for this movie to start because I was like, oh, this might be my favorite one. And now I, I think it is probably the fifth so far um, because there's so many things that were missing. And I, in my head, because I saw the movies before I read the books or listened to audiobooks, I think of these actors as the characters. Yeah. So in my head, like when I hear the book, I've played these things out visually so when i started watching this movie i'm like wait don't these other things happen and i guess i must have just painted those pictures for myself in my brain because (laughs) when these things didn't pop up in the movie i was so confused um this scene is so much more dramatic in the book and it it's it's feels much more unclear if ron's gonna live like it really seems like he's gonna die and he just kind of sits up in the movie he does that does not happen in the book they play it off as comedy in the previous scene because basically once right. Harry uses the bees around him whatever Ron kind of sits up and then goes these women are like going to be the death of me and then he like, collapses again yeah it doesn't really necessarily happen that way and it it's there's nothing comical about it in the book and they like rush him down it's much more serious and 
when he says Hermione's name in his sleep, it's also, that's like, oh my God, thank God he's going to be alive. And it was like a nice little slap in the face to Lavender Brown. I see. So then Lavender goes ape shit. Right. And, you know, runs off screaming, basically like, you know, their relationship's done. Yeah. Sorry, your potions don't work when he's passed out. I see. Okay. So I thought, I (laughs) I didn't realize, I guess this whole time that he was being the love potion used on him. Oh, that's great. I'm glad you, so this is like what I was saying earlier, where if the story's engaging enough, you're not going to stop and think about all the details. Because something she like JK has done so well is she will give you anytime there's something new that's magical, nine times out of ten, it's gonna be used later. So when it's introduced in this sort of innocuous way, it's gonna be used later in a much more larger part of the story where for Ron, he's been under that potion the whole time where it was just introduced as the potion they were making. I in do class. Fe- I feel like though the way okay, so when he first starts after they he's with lavender and it came less off to me like he was under a spell and more like hey someone's like really into me and like well i mean that's i think supposed to be the idea is that you're not supposed to be able to know okay because but then when it when he actually like for the other girl takes the love potion because he ate the whole box okay but i mean okay that's why (laughs) it was like it's like you know it was like he's just been having a a nice little buzz with that girl you know he's just having a couple of beers whereas with later with that box he was wasted on that potion i see okay so that makes sense (laughs) that's what that was um sometimes i sometimes i mix up like just general teen horniness with like being under a spell (laughs) right so you know ron i couldn't tell if it was just normal ron or spell ron (laughs) yeah so after that this is where we have the Harry Draco confrontation. Um, yeah. Is this where they find out the book's called The Half-Blood Prince, or is that later? I mean, they, f- they find out pretty early on about, like, right. the notes. Well, who and- did you think it was? Did you think it was Voldemort? <sighs> yeah. Though I was like, I can't be, because I can't have two books in this series well, <laughs> <laughs> with, like, that yeah. are, like, his thing. Which, again, Voldemort is half, he's not a pure blood. Yeah, I mean, it makes sense. Remember, I we said a couple, I don't know, was it the last movie, the movie before, that I thought the Half-Blood Prince was going to be Voldemort, but... Yeah. It makes more, like, now, like, now in retrospect, I was like, oh, yeah, that makes some sense. <laughs> and it gives a little bit more validity to Snape, because we've, he's always come off as imposing and very uh, astute with magic, but we've never really seen him utilize it to any serious ends i mean the one time we saw him really go out and get in the in the shit one might say is when he confronted lupin and sirius and fucking got hit he got de-wanded by harry by like a third year harry yeah um but i did actually get a hint that it was him the moment after this bathroom fight and snape knows what to do you know to combat the, the the effect that harry did on malfoy well, I mean, it's just like a standard cure po- spell that he okay. used. For me, like I was like, because um, then when they they sort of kind of repeat the bit later, he tries to use the same spell on Snape and he deflects it, and that's when he kind of right. does the reveal. And Correct. I was like, oh yeah, kind of like they kind of hit that a little bit in that that scene, this scene with the bathroom. Now, what's interesting is, and also if you think about it, the spell that he used is very similar to the way Dumbledore reversed the home and fixed the home. Yes. So what's interesting here is in the books, when he shakes down Draco, they're in the prefect bathroom, which I think is the one that, that had the uh, Chamber of Secrets. They love that bathroom. 
when he gives him the shakedown, they actually have more of a duel. Whereas this comes off as almost like he just goes in on him, you know? Yeah. But it's it's more like a duel. Like he confronts him. Yeah, this head is like on more like then... two guys with guns. You know? <laughs> yeah, yes. <laughs> to... This is what happens when a good guy has a gun. Yeah, but it, it, it uh, felt very, um, like very almost uh, rough around the edges and brutal and almost like a hard boiled type scene where it's just like you know two people in a standoff, <laughs> less of a yeah, duel so... and just kind of like who's gonna shoot first. Sectum Semper is cool because we've seen a lot of like powerful magic that's like blasts of fire and like manipulating things around. And we also know about the unforgivable curses, but we haven't seen any magic that's like a violent spell. Yes. So that's, you know, the first time we've heard this. And this basically just slices you up. It slashes you and makes these deep cuts. Uh, obviously, he had a shirt on, so you can't really see it. But you can tell where the bleeds start from under his shirt. But he he's basically just like all slashed up. Yeah, and he's just bleeding very profusely. So on Pottermore, the way they describe it, slices and maims the target as if they're being cut by an invisible sword. Ugh. Yeah. Injuries may be permanent. Harry's a badass motherfucker. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, so then Snape basically saves Malfoy. Um you know, basically, Ginny takes Harry to hide the book in the room of requirement. This is where they share their first kiss. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like the reverse Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they do. It's like, close your eyes and I will hide it. And then this I will... moment will be important in later. Okay. I so. will keep note of that. Um, this is also where they find the uh, the vanishing cabinet. Yes. As well. So <sighs> they should have destroyed it. Yeah. You know, but Harry was not in a destructive mood because he just almost killed somebody in the last scene. <laughs> he felt really bad. And then, okay, uh, so this is where we get to the heavy shit. So Harry uses it, like we mentioned, uses his liquid luck and uh, to basically convince Slughorn to give him the memory. Um, we see a wrap up of Aragog. Aragog died. I like that scene. It was a fun scene. Yeah, I like how that came full circle. Yeah, and just like, you know, Dumbledore being sad, his dog, and then like Slughorn's like, do you want to get me, you want me to do the eulogy? <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, say some words to him. And he's like, oh, see, also, do you, don't, do you mind if I take some poison from him? Here's where the story gets crazy, because it was fun to see him finally use the Felix Felicius. Yeah, for real. Um, and he acts, it's, it's, it's almost like he's drunk. <laughs> it's, it's more of like, right? it's, a, it's drunk, but without the inebriation. You get the confidence yeah. without without the without the you know the other effects. It was kind of fun though. I think he actually did a really good job acting the scene out because he clearly seemed under the influence of something. Yeah. Like he's like I just he was being told what to I, do. He's like I, I don't know. We just I gotta, gotta go, go to Hagrid's. I gotta go. <laughs> he's like you should come. Yeah. It's like yeah, <laughs> it'd be great. And then and then he runs in, and when he runs into Slughorn, he's just like he's like Harry. He's like you you can't be out at this hour. He's like well why don't you come with me? Then you can you know. Basically, uh, it'll, it'll be okay then. Come on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so uh, that, that was all good. Basically, he gets the this is where after he gets the memory from Slughorn, he does this great little speech to him, um, basically saying like, you know, uh, Voldemort killed my mom. You know, you really valued her. Like, you can't let this. You know, you shouldn't be hiding this secret. Right. You know? He's like, you can still do something good. Like, you can't fix what you did. But you can hopefully change the outcome of it. It's like it all relies on you. So he sort of pleads to his 
morality and wins and he gets the memory from him which was a really kind of touching scene seeing him pull this memory out of his mind and give it to harry yeah he seemed really upset about it and it was a very hard thing for him to do um which we've only really like we've seen memories be used but we haven't seen someone like give up their memory quite like that before so it was very interesting yeah and they do a cool job with um also like slughorn telling the story about the fish and vanishing because it's like connected to his mother then we get the reveal john the big reveal horcruxes yep the horcruxes which the next two movies will introduce like that's basically obviously the plot is now set up for the end game of the series uh and there's like one last element and piece of the puzzle that you don't know about yet which will be introduced in the next movie um but the horcruxes are i think in many ways the driving force of the whole series yeah i mean if you if you if you kind of look at the big plot points of the series so far you know with the events that happen here this feels like the turn into act three and it feels like the next book or the you know the next story is the entire act three right you know um but everything up to then has kind of been act one which is really just kind of like the first movie and then act two is kind of like the movies two through six (laughs) (laughs) yeah you know, the next movie is the one that's hailed as being the best. It has the highest reviews across the board. Most people say it's the best or their favorite. It's considered to be the best of them. And I'm actually very excited for it. It's also the most different of all of the movies in many ways. Okay. So I'm very excited for that. But that being said, John, how do you feel about Horcruxes? Um, They're cool. I think as far as just, you know, learning how to become immortal. Yeah. It's a cool bit of magic though, right? And now they have this thing set up where the idea is... You can put a piece of your soul, your being, into an object, and it will allow you to live on. Because as long as that item is not destroyed, you'll always have some way to return to the world of the living, even if your body is destroyed. Yes. So, that being said, we've seen this sort of hinted at us since the first movie, right? Voldemort was, he said, like, without a vessel until he came across his um, Professor Quarrel. And in the second film, we met a young Tom Riddle through the book, which turns out was one of the Horcruxes. And now we learn that there are seven Horcruxes, John. And so now there's six. Minus, right. diary, minus diary. And then five, because remember Dumbledore said that ring that he had. Yeah. But did he? does he get rid of them? Like destroy it? He destroys it, right? The ring, I can't remember if the ring is destroyed as much as it was found. I think it's because he kind of spins it and it like does that kind of thing from Lord of the Rings when Frodo touches it. <laughs> right. Or, you know, kind of like, blah, 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 you know, kind of attacks him almost. Dumbledore does destroy the ring in the Half-Blood Prince. Okay. I don't believe it was on screen. No, you did not see it on screen. So he must have. Uses the sword of uh, Godric Gryffindor. The same one that uh, Harry used to destroy the diary. Correct. Uh, no, didn't he use. Uh... He stabbed it. No, he stabbed he stabbed the basilisk with the sword, and then he used the basilisk tooth to kill the diary. Oh, okay. So then Dumbledore tries to destroy the ring that they have, which we know is one of the other ones, and we see his hand is like yeah, decrepit. Burns his hand. Yeah, his hand is it's basically rotting. Like he's he's it's like he's got crocodile, and uh, he's got the Stoneman's disease. Yeah, and so what's happening now is you have this ring that needs to be destroyed in the books. Dumbledore does end up destroying it. He uses Godric Gryffindor's sword. 
So clearly, like he said, it takes very powerful magic to be able to destroy a Horcrux. Something like Godric Gryffindor's sword or a Tooth of a Basilisk, but something that is... Very powerful. Extremely rare, extremely powerful. I see. Okay. And then... Something that if you got hit with it would kill you, basically. Got it. You know? Um, so there's still five to go, but he knows where one more might be. And then... Okay, so before they go on that that journey is like what happens does something happen in between this uh between moments? the journey yeah between they go between they go between like harry and other characters like hermione and stuff we did forget that snape uh had this was uh in the book not in the movie but snape sentenced harry to detention every saturday for using septum sempra that's right <laughs> i i just love septum sempra it sounds cool it's super badass it's really yeah. powerful kind of evil there's a quote when um, I think Hermione comes up to Harry and is like, so you and Ginny do it. And Harry's like, what? <laughs> and then he's like, like get rid of the di- book. And he's like, oh, yes, that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Also, speaking of Ginny, something that Harry happens between Harry and Ginny in the book is since he has that detention, it's the reason I bring it up, he can't play the Quidditch games. So Ginny steps up. I think she becomes the new seeker. Okay. Also kind of puts their relationship on ice. I see, I see. Because they can't really see each other as much. And, uh, you know, obviously there's going to be some tension because of the whole Quidditch thing. You know, they they, they uh, found each other on the game field, you know? Yes, yes. Okay. All right. So, so after that, I, I think they go. Yeah, right? Yes. So they go to this big cave thing, creepy indoor cave. <laughs> right. Big bone boat takes to the middle of this little thing. So they're looking for Salazar Slytherin's locket. So basically the thing that also you can start to surmise now when you think about it is Tom Riddle isn't just picking any random objects, which would probably be smarter because they'd be harder to find. Yeah. (laughs) But because he is this ambitious, powerful wizard who calls himself Lord, like he gave himself the name Lord Voldemort, he isn't just going to make any old regular thing a horcrux. He's going to make it things that... I think in his mind also would be protected by people because th- people think they're important uh, or they're important to him in some way. So he made his family ring. Uh, and the thing they're going to look for is Salazar Slytherin's locket. Yes. And it's in, uh, I guess, at the bottom of this little uh, punch bowl. Yeah, it's what. And it's also like surrounded by like this uh, fish water. And yeah. And like basically golem, like a thousand yes. golems. Right? Yes, like zombie golems. Yeah, which Uh, was really creepy and scary. This, I think, was the most adult high fantasy thing that's happened in the movies. Now that we have this sort of journey, it is very analogous to Lord of the Rings where they have to destroy the... Like, the the ring in Lord of the Rings is basically a horcrux. Yeah, it was definitely in this moment I was like, oh, this right now is just like Gandalf and Frodo. (laughs) Right. (laughs) It's very much what it is. I mean, in many ways, obviously, this is going to be influenced by Lord of the Rings. Just about any high fantasy story is. Uh, but in many ways, this is almost like a modern retelling of Lord of the Rings at this point. The rest of this journey, if you think about it. Yeah, I, I think it. But when you do those like kind of wide shots, like the ones that are really far back, it's like he looks like Gandalf and Harry kind of looks like Frodo. Right. <laughs> and it's like when they're down in like the, the, the uh, dwarf cave and stuff. And... and just, yeah, thematically, they're in, they're going on an adventure to destroy this thing that will help them destroy the evil villain and 
they're using like Dumbledore uses this wild, crazy fire magic that we saw him wield once before. Um, yeah, that was cool. He has to overcome this curse. He's like, yeah. I'll, I have to drink this, but I might go crazy. I might make you try to stop me. I might die. It's like when I'm with you and trying to make you drink water after you've gotten too drunk. You're like, no, right. no more, no more. Right. <laughs> it's like, even if I say no, just keep telling me to drink. And then Harry's just like, no, you got to keep going. Got to keep going. Get, you know, Dumbledore. Um, yeah, so they get the locket and they apparate back to hogwarts but at the very same moment draco has let the death eaters in yeah so this is this is where the one change was and i brought this up now before but in the books they return they apparate back to hogsmeade and the dark mark is actually above the astronomy tower at hogwarts already so they take the brooms from madame rosemurda who at the three broom section, you know, the place they keep going to. The same woman who was already bewitched by Draco and was bewitched again, and they arrive back at the top of the tower. Um, also, during the scene, Harry puts on his invisibility cloak. That doesn't happen in the movie. Yeah, he just hides in the in the under right. floor thing. Right. Um, but yeah, so Dumbledore's like, go find Snape. But then Draco comes, and Snape shows up first underneath with Harry, and is like, shh. I'm going to help out and then goes up and kills Dumbledore, you know? Yeah. Well, so Draco knocks the wand out of Dumbledore's hand, but he can't finish the job. Yes, because he's not truly evil. Right. He's a good kid. He's a good kid. He's just, you know, he's just, he was too much burdened by his father's legacy. Right. Now, in this scene, John, um... What did you what do you think took place? How do you feel about this scene? I was a little it felt a little rushed and I think the staging was just a little strange, but I don't know. Mm-hmm. And I, I guess it's like, you know, Dumbledore's weekend. He's not in his, you know, he's not in a state to fight back, which makes, you know, that, that explains why like things, you know, I, overall it's fine. It's just. For some reason, it did not the the sort of emotional weight of it did not resonate. Maybe it's like I kind of knew ahead of time that Dumbledore would be probably dying at the end of this movie, um, just because I was aware of that spoiler. But like, it also it seems like you know if Minerva is like such a powerful wizard, like where is she? All this like kind of stuff. Like I don't know. It just kind of felt a little like it was it was very easy to kill Dumbledore. Right. So that's my that's my uh, I guess my general thoughts on the scene. So what's interesting is, you know, in the in the book, it's, it happens very similarly, but there's a little bit more time spent between Snape taking him down and yeah. uh, Malfoy just giving up. They actually, like, taunt Malfoy a lot more, and they're, like, egging him on, and Malfoy's really just, like, struggling with being able to do it or not. And then Snape just kind of, like, he, he does it. Um, so the tension feels higher. It was... It, the tension should have felt a little bit higher in the movie, but it was still like seeing him die and fall was like pretty sad. Yeah, I think it's. I think you know it, again. Not, like I hate to compare it to Lord of the Rings, but you know, like the moment in like the Fellowship when Gandalf falls off the ledge. Right. I felt that they the way they sold that through like Frodo's emotion. They, right. They didn't do that here, and so you don't well, really get yeah. a sense with like Harry. You do. I, I guess you do. Sorry. I mean, I yeah, guess, you do. Yeah. Harry chases him down. Yeah. 
Maybe it's just like not as emotional for him. He's more angry, obviously. And then Harry tries to slice up Snape, and that's when he gets the reveal, obviously, that Snape was the half blood prince. Half blood prince. Yeah. Uh, they also set Hagrid's house on fire. <laughs> <laughs> it's like a bunch of assholes. <laughs> they set Hagrid's house on fire. Uh, Hagrid and Harry actually put the house, the fire out. Um, oh, yeah. And then they they go back to everyone else, and, and then they go to Dumbledore. But before that, though, uh, Bellatrix has like a joker moment where she's like kind of stomping through the grand hall yeah and like smashing everything and just kind of being like a crazy lady yeah i thought that was cool you know an interesting thing that with dumbledore we didn't talk about really quick when when you see the ring did you see the symbol on the ring uh no i did not uh, well it's the same symbol that's in our artwork for our show i see so you'll find out more about that um i can't remember offhand but it you find out in the books i can't remember if it's in this book or the next one uh, but you do find out that like his hand, that was a curse from the ring. So basically like yes. Snape had helped it like kind of stop spreading to the rest of his body. Cause you know, he was like in potions and everything, but like it was basically killing Dumbledore cause Dumbledore put it on. He put the ring on and it was cursed. He knew it was a, he thought it was a Horcrux when he had went to find it, but he didn't know the curse. Um, but I don't remember when that's actually shown. I don't know if that's like shown in a memory or something or if that is just in my head that I remember picturing it, but just so you're aware of like kind of how that happened, because uh, they just allude to it in the in the movie. They don't really explain like he put it on and then it cursed his hand, and so I see. Okay, just like little details. I mean, considering the Horcruxes are so important, it feels strange, especially that they didn't even show it getting destroyed. You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so they all go back to Hogwarts to mourn Dumbledore's death. This is the biggest change from the book. They don't have Dumbledore's funeral in the book. I mean, in the movie, where they do have that in the book. Okay, so the, uh, okay, what you're saying is they have an actual like ceremony. Yeah, they have they have a funeral for Dumbledore, um, and that was kind of a big deal. And that was one of the ones where I'd say that's like a big change. That I don't know why they made that change. Whereas other ones, so many things that I've mentioned, like this was left out, that was left out. It's like, okay, cutting for time. You can cut those. Sure, fine. Dumbledore's funeral being omitted? Very strange. Um, that's sort of where Harry says bye to Ginny in the books. Yes. Okay. Whereas in this, it's like he mentions Ginny in like a conversation with Hermione. Yeah, and he's like basically... Right. Kind of, kind of implies like, I'm done. Uh, it's also <laughs> revealed in the book that the locket that they found wasn't was a fake it was replaced someone got to that locket first already well yeah they, they say it here too yeah but so, the, yeah it's so like i mean where they're headed with it in the movie is the same place but it's just it was strange to me that they decided to have this private moment between him and hermione versus um the funeral is i think really important um yeah i think maybe because this, this was a kind of a lot back to a long movie again right so this, this was you know more to the two two and a half hours type yeah of which i get like so you know yeah. this is the that's what happens when you're adapting books right there's just a lot of content yeah so i think i could see why maybe because they have that moment when everyone's just kind of watch looking at his dead body and then they <laughs> do all the light wands to get rid of the big skull yeah cor- like in the sky yeah that's kind of like his sort of his wake yeah yeah um so. So I'd say my lasting impressions, and I'll think you can give us yours, are I think this might be my favorite book. It's definitely, it's not my favorite movie. I do think it's very good. I think it is better than a lot of the earlier movies, 
right now I'd say Order of the Phoenix is my favorite of them, but I am so excited for the next movie. Yeah, I mean, it'll, like we're basically, like I said, we're now entering the third act of this journey, and so that's I am I I I was actually after finishing this last night, I was like, I just want to watch the next one. I was like, I can't. I have to talk about this one first. <laughs> so uh, I'll probably be watching this one sooner than later. The next one. Um, but yeah, I think I think there's definitely some. I think some of the best cinematography and there there are some really really good moments in this in this book or this movie um like i said the the weird color corrections kind of all over the place um and if you just look like the 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 first movie to this one how like bright and colorful the first one is yes <laughs> it's it is amazing and and again i i can tell them see, i can see why they would pitch that as we're at a very dark place in the the series so it went a little too far yeah yeah um, but yeah, that, I think that's, I'm, I'm excited to kind of watch the next two, um, and kind of see how this ends and yeah. see how it goes. So. I'm so excited for it, John. Uh, especially with this, the next one's like clearly, you know, we're moving towards an end. You basically know what the end game is. Uh, they're going to go on like an adventure. There are five Horcruxes to be destroyed. Like that's like a fun adventure. You know, if you think about what they have now open to write, it's like, Typically, you don't have the goal in mind with these movies. Like, the goal is revealed to you halfway through what the thing is going to be, somewhere about mid-story. But now, we know what the end game is. So, it's like, okay, the rest of it is, like, the completion of this journey. And they're not going to Hogwarts. They're going to be out in the world. And that presents so many new possibilities for them. Yeah. So, it's going to be very cool. I'm excited. I'm excited as well. John? If people would like to keep in touch with you, obviously we have the hashtag watch world, but you as a person, as John Paul Murphy, the man, the myth, the legend, how could they do that? Uh, you can keep following me on Twitter and Instagram at Johnny B. Good in LA. Uh, also, you can listen to me with you on Wishboning and also the Zeitheist podcast. All right. And you can find me at Christian underscore Humes. Same shows John just mentioned, as well as the Unranked podcast. And we have everything at Zeitheist.com or at Zeitheist, Z-Y-T-E-H-E-I-S-T on Twitter. And as always, we will leave you with yet another quote from this latest Harry Potter story. And today's quote comes from Hermione Granger. She's only into you because she thinks you're the chosen one. But I am the chosen one. (laughs) 